It's never too early to go after what you want, to put a stake in the ground of your dreams and your ambitions and start to work towards that ultimate goal. And today on the Fahrenheit podcast, we are talking with someone who began that dream at three years old. Alyssa Carson, also known as NASA Blueberry, is on a mission to be one of the youngest astronauts ever in space. At 19, her list of accomplishments is endless. It includes witnessing three space shuttle launches, attending space camp seven times, Space Academy three times, the Robotics Academy once, and being the youngest to graduate the Advanced Space Academy, emphasis on the youngest. She was later selected as one of the seven ambassadors representing Mars One, a mission to establish a human colony in Mars by 2030. And if you think that wasn't enough, Alyssa is the youngest astronaut trainee certified to go to space. Today, Alyssa balances everything from being an astronaut in training to doing microgravity flights to being an undergraduate in school to giving TED Talks encouraging young women to pursue careers in STEM. But really, it's Alyssa's ability to do the work, sacrifice, and go for what you want that caught our attention. It's what makes her the ultimate Fahrenheit podcast guest. Here at Fahrenheit, we talk a lot about doing the work, but we don't often talk about the sacrifice that comes with it. What Alyssa's story teaches us is that boundaries are meant to be broken and that everything you need to pursue your dreams, you already have inside of you. So many people spend their whole lives figuring out what it is that they want to achieve and what career direction they want to go in. And you talked about having this conviction at such an early age and navigating what you want and what you don't want. For somebody out there who's trying to figure out their path and maybe doesn't have as much clarity as you do, give us a little bit of insight into what could help them to navigate that question and find their direction. Yeah, I think it's super important that we all are really looking for, you know, the thing that we're passionate about, something that we really want to strive for, something that we really want to achieve. And I think one of the biggest ways to find that is really realizing the amount of opportunity that there is in the world. You know, I definitely think that especially when talking to kids or when we are kids, we definitely get told a lot of just the same jobs over and over again. You know, usually it's like around like doctor, teacher, lawyer, you know, of those kinds of jobs, but you don't really know of much like past that. And those are great, but there definitely is a lot more opportunity out in the world. And so I think it's trying to figure out ways to like mix and match like your interests. If you're interested in food and also interested in space, there's a job out there that uses both of those. And so I think that's really like looking for some of those more unique and specialized jobs that really do relate to what it is you're interested in. Because if you're always studying or always going after working for something that you're interested and passionate about, then it's going to make it all around much more enjoyable. So I think it's really the first step is just really like diving into the amount of jobs that there are. Because even, you know, within the space community, when you think about space, you have astronauts, scientists, engineers. And that's it. That's really all you would think that there is in the space industry. Whereas you don't even have to be good at math and science to work within space. You know, if that's not the area that you're interested in, that's fine. You can design spacesuits if you like fashion or study psychology or study journalism because all of them are just as important. It's so interesting because I think that people often see these more rare jobs, the more specialized opportunities, the more specialized jobs, or really more than anything, the more unique jobs that connect one skill set and another. When you just talked about being a chef and loving space and that there's a job out there for you, it actually made me think about grad school, which I went to NYU for grad school. I went to a, a program called Gallatin, and it was a make your own master's program. 
And I will never forget the crazy combinations of master's programs that people had put together. For me, I was studying globalization and how that was connecting and changing at the time storytelling. Two wildly different ideas, but in my mind really codified and came together into what ultimately led me down a path. What was that sort of input for you? Was it just waking up one day and saying like, I want to be in space? I think you're very well known for wanting to and not wanting to, but being preparing to go to Mars. Like what were the things for you that kind of became the filters for that decision-making? Obviously, when I was super young, I was interested in being an astronaut, but that's such a broad topic. You know, you could be a pilot, be a scientist, study medicine, study literally any type of science you could ever want to. And so like there were still like a lot of decisions to like narrow down. And so early on, like having the opportunity to go to space camp was really helpful because like having simulated missions and pretending to like play the roles of different astronauts was like really enlightening for me because I was able to like play the role of the commander and be like, yeah, no, I don't really want to be in charge. Like if I was in space, I would not want to have that responsibility. Like I do not want to be in charge of flying the ship and like flying other people. That's too much. And so I was like, no, not that. And then being able to like play the role of like a mission specialist or, you know, someone like that gets to like go out and put on a spacesuit and like actually be in space and do the science. Like I was always more gravitated towards that. So that kind of narrowed that down. So wanting to be more of like a research scientist, but still within that, there's a lot of possibility just because there's so many areas of science to research. So originally I was going to go into astrophysics just because it sounded right and seems like that's what I should be studying. But actually when I was around 12 or so, I met an astrobiologist and she had heard that I was interested in studying astrophysics. And she was like, yeah, but like, here's why you should study astrobiology instead. And so like, she was able to like chat with me and like really teach me like what astrobiology is. And I mean, even still today, it's becoming more known, but like still it's a pretty like rare major. And so like having her like explain to me what it actually was, I was like, yes, like that's, that's what I want to do. And really to me, the best part of astrobiology is that like you can switch and change your interest all the time. You know, since you, since it is covering so many areas of science, like if you want to study plants one day, that's great. If you want to study like entire planets the next day, that's great too. And so you're really able to like jump around with your research and your interests. And so I always thought that was really fascinating. It's really cool to think about the idea that even within this given field, and I mean, let's be honest, outside of some movies and the research that I've done to prep for this conversation, my knowledge of space is as limited as as anybody else. So when you think to your point about being an astronaut, you think it's one thing. And it's so interesting to really think about how just that one idea can be expansive, how just within that one idea, there are so many roles and opportunities. So what was that first step for you of like getting in and then saying, okay, how do I start to what I think you've described in the past as do the work? Definitely. When I was first getting interested in space, there really wasn't the idea of like really working towards the idea of being an astronaut from a young age. That wasn't really something that was like common. Like if you ask most typical astronauts, they like had the idea when they were younger, they went about their lives, they forgot about it. Once they got older, they're like, oh, hey, I meet these requirements. So why not apply? And so kind of like the idea of working towards like an astronaut from the beginning was like a definitely like a new idea. Because of course, yes, you have to be passionate. You have to study something else because you can't like study to be an astronaut, but like still having that thought in the back of your head was very different. So 
really for me, the initial putting in the work was really trying to like put myself in like different opportunities or situations that would be similar to maybe something that an astronaut would need or a skill that astronauts would do. And not only just like be able to do it, but that was also helping me figure out do I actually want to do this? Is this something I'm like really interested in doing? And so like I started scuba diving when I was really young. And that's just because like underwater is the closest we can get to like long-term microgravity. It sounds crazy, but it is. <laughs> and so like putting myself in like some of these opportunities was like such an easy way for like me to really figure out, hey, is this like actually something I want to do? And then also helping a little bit and narrowing down like the areas I was interested in. At Fahrenheit, we talk all the time about doing the work. And I put it in my own words. You had said putting in the work and I had said doing the work. So I can actually give you a really good example. My twin sister is naturally brilliant. Got like a 1560 on her SATs, never had to stay up late to study. It just came completely natural to her. For me, it was the opposite. I was all about the hustle. I was all about the grind. I was all about putting in the work. But when I put in the work, when I put in the effort, the focus, the energy, the time, that's when I really reaped the benefits of being able to see those results. And so I think it's really incredible to say to people like, hey, if you have a dream, even as big as going to Mars, first step is putting in the work and doing the work and giving the dedication and to something you've talked about before, also the sacrifice that is required in order to achieve that goal. But it's not something you're necessarily born with. Like anybody can go out there and accomplish what they want with the right level of what we call here blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I mean, having the opportunity to be able to talk with kids from all over the world who maybe have similar interests, you know, it's definitely something that I believe, you know, anyone could have done what I did. You know, there's not really anything special as like what I did. I was looking for different opportunities that related to what I was interested in, but anyone could have gone to everything that I've gone to, you know, it wasn't anything that was like super specialized. And also at the same time, like talking about like school, you know, it's not like I was amazing at school either. I was pretty middle ground. There's nothing super special. And so it was just about wanting to put in that work. Definitely in terms of like academics, I mean, stuff relating to space was always much easier for me to retain, but that's because I was interested in it. And I think that we all see that at a point in our lives, you know, when, once you're like learning about something you are interested in, you are going to retain it more than like you would a subject in school that you don't enjoy. And so I was really able to see that with space. You know, I could memorize literally every story about space history, but like I couldn't tell you like what year stuff happened in American history just because that's what I was more interested in. We do all have our strengths and our weaknesses and we just have to take that and make the most of it to go after the thing that we're really interested in doing. Yeah, Fahrenheit, yesterday on our team call, we have a Monday team call where we kind of talk about more of the emotional, I think, side of being entrepreneurs, going after the things that we want, developing ourselves into leaders and what it means to make an impact and to set good examples. And we were talking about this idea of being in it. And like, what does it mean when you're really in it? We all know those moments where you're not, where you're like, to your point, can't remember a thing about history, but like have to ace the test. So like, I'm going to study my ass off to get there versus genuinely and deeply caring and having a passion for something where it does come more naturally. Even if you're doing the work, the being in it matters. And I was saying, you know, I'm so proud to be a part of this all-female team that we're on and the journey that we're on together that it's super easy for me to be in it with Fahrenheit. When was the moment where you were just like, wow, I'm really in it? And has it changed over years now that you've gone through training and you're developing your skills and you're in undergraduate, has any of that waned for you or has it just grown stronger? My initial time, like first time going to space camp was 
really when I was able to like learn everything that I'd been like wanting to know. So I was like, yeah, like this is something I definitely want to go into, but definitely like there's been different times where it's like increased. I love going to space camp and that was great. You know, it was a great place for me to like learn more about space. But once I was able to join Project Possum and be involved in like much more realistic research, wearing real spacesuits, doing microgravity flights, that was when I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like this is super duper cool. And so there's definitely been like different moments that have like reinforced my interests, I think. And, you know, I've been really able to, I guess, like pick and choose, you know, a little bit about like, if I wasn't like super interested in something, then like, that's probably not the area that I'm going to keep going down. Because I mean, there's definitely been loads of stuff that like, sure, yeah, it relates to space and it's great, but it's not necessarily something that like I want to continue to pursue because I can like recognize when I'm not putting my all into something. Being able to recognize that is really, really important because you can kind of focus on the areas you do really want to put effort into and what like really matters. And going a little bit back towards like sacrifice, you know, that was something that I was really able to do pretty young because even in school, I was trying to decide, you know, did I want to do something towards space or did I want to, you know, do something more fun or with friends and more school related. And I was really able to like really think about it and decide, okay, like what is more important to me right now? Whatever it is I like really wanted to do, you know, either side, whether it was for space or whether it was for school or whatever, whatever I was more interested in, we tried to like make that more of the priority because that's what I sincerely wanted to do. If it's something that you really want and it's something you want to achieve, does sacrifice come easy? Or were there moments where even though you knew what you were going after and you loved it, that sacrifice still was hard? Yeah, I think that there are at times where like it can be harder. For the most part, most of the decisions were relatively easy. But at the same time, you know, there definitely are going to be like harder sacrifices that are going to come. Yeah, there definitely are decisions that are much harder to make than going to a school dance versus going to like a space camp. Like my life is definitely escalated (laughs) a little bit more (laughs) in terms of like complexity. But yeah, I do think that the sacrifices can get more complicated. I think definitely just having balance in general is really important though. Of course, I want to pursue my dream for space, but I don't want to always be talking about space. I think, I think that's how you get burnt out a lot of the time. You know, if, if since I was younger, I've only been talking about space, like every day of my life, I probably wouldn't still be interested in it just because I'd be tired of it. So I definitely think that like having that balance is so important. I was going to say, Alyssa, with everything that you are doing and at the age that you're doing it, how do you have time for other things? Like what else do you want to talk about? Let's stop talking about space. We can move on to a different topic. But like, how do you even find the time? For me, that's the hardest thing. Time management is the thing that I, I mean, it's the number one most valuable asset that we have and the hardest thing to be able to really navigate and control. Yeah, I definitely agree. Time management was something that like I did kind of have to learn pretty early on because even balancing like school assignments and stuff related to space was already, you know, enough of a challenge. Like I need to be able to continue to do schoolwork, even though like I probably wasn't interested in it as much. But I mean, even now in, in my undergrad, I mean, of course I have school, plus I also have an internship, plus like social life, plus any sort of interviews or anything that comes along. I mean, it definitely adds up and adds up. Time management was something that I've like been building on for, I guess, a while now. But yeah, it's really just like, I think going a little bit back to like what's most important to me and like being able to do what I'm interested in, but also at the same time, like knowing your limits. Like I really hate to invest myself or like say I'm going to do something and then not be able to do it because I just don't have enough time. And so I think like I'm super cautious of that a lot of the time because like I know I'm busy and like I know I have a lot going on. And so like sometimes adding on new stuff, like I do it with a lot of caution. 
Do you think that boundaries are important for you as you're navigating this next phase of your life and your career? And what have you learned as a good tool towards creating those boundaries? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do think that I have a whole lot of boundaries. And like, I guess the way I see it is I'm almost, I kind of think of myself You're like my like, idol. Keep going. Tell me about your boundaries. <laughs> Tell me about your boundaries, Alyssa. Well, it's because like I literally think about myself as like Hannah Montana. Like, I always fall back on that because like I feel like there's an Alyssa Carson side and more of like a NASA Blueberry side because like, I can sound really intelligent and like really know what I'm talking about within space. And that's more of like the NASA Blueberry side. Or I can be like really stupid and like just be totally lost. And like that's totally fine. And so I feel like I've been able to like center different areas of my life around those different like sides of myself, I guess. You know, like of course, all my friends, you know, know what I'm doing, but like, we're not talking about space all the time. You know, I don't have to sound intelligent around my friends. I can just like relax and like be my own person. And so I think that like being able to distinguish the different areas of myself and like use them in different aspects of my life have been important and especially like separating the different areas of my life. You know, that's been a really easy way to separate, I guess, what you could say like work and fun, you know, because like I have those different areas of myself where I'm able to put more of a work persona forward or more of like like a college student forward. Do you think being an astronaut or on your mission to colonize Mars that that defines you or is that just a piece of you? I definitely think it's just a piece of me just because there's a whole lot of other aspects of myself as well. Space is a big part of me and, you know, definitely an important part of me, but I have other interests as well. And, you know, not even just fun or like college student or useful person, but I mean like public speaking and, you know, being able to speak and inspire kids, you know, that has nothing to do with space. Yeah, sure. I reference my journey through space and what I've done to kind of inspire kids, but that's something that's totally different and like still a big part of myself. And so I think that the space is just kind of part of the overall, (laughs) overall who I am. It's interesting because I have zero boundaries, as anyone who listens to the Fahrenheit podcast will know. And for me, one of the things that I recognized and figured out was that I actually had to compartmentalize myself less. So for me, not the same level of extreme, but there was this version of myself that I traveled for most of my life and most of my career, really not on vacation as much as through exploration. I thought that I wanted to be a travel writer and photographer. I did a lot of journeying and adventuring, if you will, when I was younger, and I felt like there was that version of me. And then there was a version of me that would come back to New York at the time and I would go to my more corporate job and I would pretend that I knew everything and be really intelligent and super smart. And I felt like those two worlds in some ways were colliding. For me, figuring out actually how to be more fluid in my life helped me, I think, to unlock an authenticity in myself that you seem to have at such a young age. How did you get the confidence, honestly, Alyssa, to just be so you and yourself in what feels like every single moment? It's definitely something that I never really saw happening, I guess, in a way. I mean, a lot of times, you know, with public speaking, you know, that was something that I wasn't like always really amazing at public speaking. You know, I was really bad in Mm -hmm. the beginning. But I think that there's been like a lot of reasons, you know, I think one within like the space and science community, I think that especially getting like more women involved in STEM has been like really uplifting you know, all the other like women that I know within space, you know, we're also encouraging. And I think in general within STEM, like we want more people to join STEM. So like if you ask someone or tell someone like, hey, I want to work 
in the space industry or the science industry, like they're going to be really supportive because of course we want more people to work in the, in those industries. And so I think kind of like having that was really important. Having my dad as a support was really important just because it made all my stuff feel achievable. You know, even the first time I went to space camp, my dad was there writing the simulators and learning all the information about space right there next to me. And so I think having that was a big part of it. The more I kept working towards all this and like getting the response and seeing how it was impacting other people, you know, made me more confident in myself because other people are getting inspired by what I'm doing. You know, I must be doing something right. And so that definitely led to like more and more confidence, I guess. You talk a lot about this idea of changing the paradigm. And maybe you could just, Alyssa, talk a little bit about what that actually means for you and sort of what you try to share and engage in this dialogue with others. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think regarding like changing the paradigm, it was really just trying to encouraging like kids to go after what they want at a younger age. And, you know, I think a lot of stuff that we have, we really just wait a while till like we really get going. And, you know, that's definitely something I did not do. I was definitely all aboard to just start working towards that from a young age. But that's definitely something you can do in like so many different disciplines. You know, even within the space industry, you know, our youngest astronaut is 35. And, you know, I was always like confused as to like why, why? our youngest astronaut is 35. Of course, astronauts have to be experienced and all that, but you can definitely achieve a lot of those goals before you're 35. And so I think that we are able to do so much when we're young. And, you know, there's nothing really pressuring us to do it. It's more of like a want. You know, you don't have to decide what you want to be really until you're like picking a major in college. That's really the only time you're like, hey, like you have to kind of make a decision. And I mean, even then you can kind of switch around. But before that, there's nothing really pushing you to go after an interest of yours or really like look for opportunities. And so I think if we are able to, you know, encourage more kids to, hey, if you're interested in something, maybe go look for some sort of opportunity relating to it. Because maybe then if they are getting experiences when they're younger, then they aren't being confused what they want to study once they get to college because they've already figured it out. They've already, you know, been involved in this, realized they don't like this, or maybe they tried something else and they really love that. And so we're able to like achieve most of our dreams way earlier on. And I think being able to be more knowledgeable and successful about our different like dreams and goals, because we have been working on them for so long. This idea of changing the paradigm is really about looking at things through a different lens and saying, I can with hard work, with dedication, with maybe sacrifice, go after what I want. And I don't need to look at what rules traditionally apply for you, that was embarking on this journey to be an astronaut at a really early age and saying, why do you need to be 35? Why do you need to start later in your teens or 20s? Why can't I start now? Do you think that asking yourself why was a critical piece of this puzzle for you? And were you always so bold in not listening to the rules? Yeah, I think that when I was younger, I just really didn't like understand the rules. Like I didn't like... Maybe that's a benefit to being young. Yeah, yeah, definitely you know? is. Obviously, like when I was younger, like I didn't really have the idea that, yeah, like the youngest astronaut is like 35 and like you should do this and you should do that. You know, I was really wanting to like get as much experience as like I wanted. And so like that's really what like encouraged me. So I was, I felt like it wasn't really like bound to many of the rules. And I mean, of course, I did like feel a lot of restraints just because I was trying to do stuff when I was younger. And they're like, you know, you can't really do that. And so you're like, um, why? You have, to, you have to wait till you're 18. You have to wait till you're this age. And so like some aspects I have been able to bend those a little bit. And but you know, in some areas I haven't. 
And so, you know, I have felt like that restraint, but, you know, I've definitely pushed to try to do it from a younger age, you know, really asking why has been really, really interesting. The whole idea in terms of getting more younger people in space, and I think it's really just normalizing space. That's something that we need to like strive for a little bit more just because the reason why people are so either like afraid of space or think space is so crazy is because so few people have gone and like the everyday person doesn't think of it. You know, it's not something that we directly connect to. A good example I like to use is, you know, when commercial airplanes first came out, I'm sure that was just as scary to them as like space travel is to us. But only six months after the first commercial flight, we had an infant fly on a commercial flight. We have been traveling to space for over 60 years now. And we're still at this restraint of 35 years old is like the youngest we've ever sat. And it's like, why? You know, why have we waited so long within space to make it more of like a normal journey? You know, obviously space has its dangers, but we've overcome so much within space. And, you know, space is relatively so incredibly safe compared to what it used to be. And so I think that's, you know, really the big goal that we're working on in space is to kind of have more of that normal feel to it, make us feel more connected to it, make the everyday person really have more of a connection to space because we benefit so much from it. You know, even if you don't realize it, so much of the technologies that we use every day come from space. And so really, I guess, having more of a knowledge of like, you know, where all of our ideas and a lot of our technology comes from, because it probably does come from some type of space travel or some challenge we wanted to succeed at. Feels like space needs better marketing. Being a Gen Z yourself, you've grown up in this age fueled by the internet and social media and technology. How do you think that this culture and conditioning has helped you progress in your career? Or to what we just talked about, given you this ability to kind of build and cultivate this, let's not even call it a brand, but maybe more of a community and following. I, I do enjoy like the area that I grew up with because, you know, when I was like super young, like it's not like we had iPhones, you know, like when I was like super young, you know, no one was. You didn't? You know, no. <laughs> Crazy. Oh my goodness. But, you know, technology was there, but like it definitely wasn't like where it is today for like today's youth. And so I think it's been like such a really cool progression to like kind of see that. But, you know, I think that definitely this generation has really a total different mindset. I feel like Gen Z is so different from other generations. I feel like they're very unique. But I do think that in a way, like I feel like Gen Z has a way of like being passionate about stuff that, that they're interested in. And so I think that's been really interesting to see. And so I think that once someone like within the generation, like finds something they're interested in, I do think that they get very passionate about it. And so I do think that with technology and the way it's progressed, you know, it's definitely been really cool to be able to now have a lot of stuff be so normal and being able to, you know, talk to people from all over the world and have that be, you know, like an everyday thing and being able to connect uh, so globally. Me going to an international school, you know, pretty much all my life was, you know, having that global or international impact was always really, really important. And so being able to now travel and like have those connections with people globally has been such a cool aspect of my life as well. Have you ever thought about what you would do if for some reason this wasn't it? Yeah, I have. It's really, really weird because I try to think about it in the sense of like if space wasn't like an interest at all, but like I don't really see myself in anything besides some sort of STEM career. So like I do think that I would still be something within STEM because I just wasn't really as interested in like other subjects. So I do think that would be something within STEM. Honestly, it would probably just be like some kind of biology, but I feel so dumb saying that because like 
I'm in astrobiology. So it's literally just the like same thing. <laughs> the same thing. So I definitely think that it wouldn't have been like ex- extremely different from like where I am now, but like maybe without the interest of space, it would probably just be some sort of like bio, definitely something within STEM regardless. Just talking to you, it's so inspiring because you're so passionate about STEM. And to your point, that may flex, it may change, it may shift. It could be astrobiology. It could be being going to Mars. It could be a million different things, but you have this like core passion. For someone that doesn't wake up every day with that level of passion, what advice would you give them of how to either cultivate it or find it? Obviously, I don't love STEM all the time. You know, my math Mm -hmm. class sucks. And that (laughs) is how it is sometimes. I think really with what we're really interested in, I mean, I do think that's always somewhat of like a love-hate relationship because like you do love it. Like I love math, but I deeply hate differential equations and like literally- I feel that. So much. I feel that, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think like in terms of like finding a passion and I think it's all about just like finding like different areas of your life that like really make you happy and like that you really enjoy doing. And You know, sometimes it does take a while to really figure that out. But I think the best way to really understand if you are deeply interested in something is really getting out and doing it and like really experiencing it is really the only way. Because I think that like a lot of times, especially in, uh, you know, like let's say like engineering, I think a lot of people think that they're going to really like engineering and they go to school for engineering. But then once they get a job in it, they're like, ah, I don't think this is what, you know, I really want to do. And so I think really getting experience in something, even if it's, you know, a tiny, tiny bit of a peek as to like what that job would be like, is like really a way to really figure out how passionate you are about it. Because like, if you can't see yourself doing it day in and day out, then it probably isn't the thing that you're truly passionate about. And so I think experience is like one of those things that is super important. And like what's been able to like help reinforce me because, you know, being able to physically do some of this stuff has been like, yeah, this is like really cool. And like, I would want to do more of it any kind of like little thing. And so that's why I try to like tell kids a lot of the time, you know, looking for those opportunities, they don't have to be big. You know, let's say um, you're interested in robotics, just joining a robotics club at school can like really help you figure it out if you like it or not. Also like talking about your dreams and your goals, I think is really huge. You know, you never know where opportunities are going to come from. You never know who someone else knows. So being able to like talk and, you know, tell people what you're interested in can definitely lead to so much more. Figuring out what you want is just sometimes a process of elimination. And I love what you're saying, which is go out and try it. Go out and figure it out. Put in the work, test and learn, and ultimately figure out, am I really passionate about this one thing or do I not love it that much? I also started working at a young age. I love comparing myself to you as if we're like similar. But like, I also was super passionate when I was your age younger than you are now, but um, I was super passionate. I started working when I was seven years old. My dad was also a huge supporter of helping me to do that. And after about 12 years, I just woke up one morning and was like, I'm done here. What I thought I wanted to do from doing it for so long, I loved it. It was an incredible experience, but I actually woke up and realized that I wanted to do something else. And had I not actually gone out and done it, I think it would have always been a dream. And I think what's so interesting is the translating of dream into reality which can feel so daunting, especially for those of us who want to colonize Mars. It's actually just starts with like one little step. And to your point, that step could be joining a robotics club, talking about it. It happens a lot of the time where you really get to college with the idea that you've built up of like this career. It just really isn't what that is. And so 
being able to like have some of that experience is really vital. Have there ever been moments where you're frustrated, you're demotivated, or sometimes you even lose hope? And how did you find the strength to keep going and not give up? Again, I mean, going a little bit back towards like my age. I mean, obviously I was like really young compared to like a lot of the other people and like stuff that I was doing. So one good example was when I first joined Project Possum, we also do like a lot of different classes before we can like go out and do like physical stuff. So I joined Project Possum when I was 15. And so I was on one of the classes. It was a space atmosphere class. And the instructor was like, okay, you know, let's go back to like some high school calculus for a moment. And like, I had never taken calculus. Like I wasn't there in school. Like Mm -hmm. all these people were like grown adults, like, ah, ha ha calculus. And I was like, huh? You know, like (laughs) I don't even know what that is. You know, there's definitely been like a lot of moments where it's just been, where I've been completely lost. And so trying to like keep up with like all the stuff that I want to do, it definitely is difficult um, a lot of the time. And so I think getting through a lot of that has really just been through support, you know, within that class, for example, you know, everyone was like, Hey, you want me to like sit down and try to explain it to you? You know, of course they weren't trying to explain all principles of calculus. They were just trying to, you know, explain, you know, what we were referencing in terms of like atmosphere calculus, I guess. But yeah, it's been really important to just have some of that support within different areas of my life. As a young woman in STEM, do you ever feel an obligation to set an example? Like forgetting even the other dream, all of the goals and aspirations to go to space. But being a woman, a young woman in STEM in and of itself is such an accomplishment. Do you ever feel like you have to set an example to other young women out there who maybe are a little bit intimidated or afraid to embark on that journey? Growing up in my local area, I had this really amazing woman. She was a chemical engineer at like a local plant. And she started like a whole thing um, to get like girls interested in STEM and like the schools around Louisiana. And so I think, you know, even something like that, you know, she was just a chemical engineer working at a plant and she decided to start, you know, this whole somewhat like small business to like encourage girls, because I do think that we all feel that level. And we all, you know, of course, want to encourage young girls. And that's kind of going back to like what I was saying, you know, when I was young, I felt that encouragement, you know, I felt other women in STEM, other people in the STEM industry, you know, like, yeah, like you can do this. Like, here's my little tidbit of advice. And then you go to the next one. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you should do it. Like, here's my little tidbit of advice. You know, I think that we all want to kind of contribute in terms of getting the next girl uh, involved in the industry. It feels like taking that first step, asking the first question, going out there, putting yourself out there, meeting somebody, asking for help even is really just what it takes, the beginning of what it takes. And then there's this piece of it that's this like radical dedication and commitment and in many ways sacrifice. Is there any affirmation or mindset or practice that you've developed to help you stay focused on that ultimate goal? I guess to an extent, I feel like something that has really like helped me, honestly, is just organization in terms of like my time and kind of going a little bit back to like balance has really helped and like keeping me motivated because I want to like, of course, put stuff towards like my space dream, but I don't want to put all of myself in towards that. And so I think trying to keep my life as organized as possible has been like the way I've been able to really just keep at calm with everything. Because of course, you know, with all the stuff going on, I like to keep everything balanced and stay organized. And so I think that that's like really developed and almost like a coping mechanism. Like if I get overwhelmed, I'm like, I'm just going to go sit down with my calendar and like make sure get I have everything organized. Get organized. I love it. <laughs> 
So I think, I think that also comes from like my dad a lot because like my dad has like a physical calendar and like all of the stuff has always been in there. And like, I've seen that ever since I was little. And so I think I'm like low key, like morphing into that as well. Like now I have my like physical planner. I'm like, I need to just go sit down with my planner for a little bit, make sure everything is so organized. And so I think that that's been one of the things I've been able to use really like to ground me to be like, okay, yes, this is all planned out. Everything is set up. But yeah, I think that's been really my best way of like balancing everything and yeah, really keeping my interest. I'm always keeping my ear out for any sort of opportunities and, you know, always figuring out that if I can work that into my calendar and everything, you know, good example, I've recently found out that my school's offering a space biology class this summer, which sounds really, really cool. So I'm trying to see if that will work in with summer plans, but. What are Alyssa Carson's summer plans? I was just on the phone, not arguing with my dad, but like (laughs) arguing with my dad because there are so many. Really the biggest thing that uh, I'm trying to work on and do this summer is actually like an analog mission at sea, which pretty much is like simulating a mission, but we would be doing it out on a boat for like three weeks. So it's really one to kind of put you in that environment of like being with a crew, working with, with a crew, but also kind of playing a little bit on like the psychology aspect of it. You know, like you're with the same people for yep. three weeks. You're on a boat. You can't leave. You know, you can't just run away if you get annoyed at someone. And so that's really something that I've been interested in doing for a while. Some sort of analog. They have different ones, you know, um, like desert research or, you know, stuff like that. I don't know how I ended up getting roped into like get, being on a boat, but um, we will see how that goes. But that's uh, that's definitely like another area of space. I've definitely wanted to like research and get a little bit more like knowledge about is more of like the psychology of it. So yeah, trying to get that together. We're trying to get together like an all-female crew. Super interesting. Do you feel prepared for the mental game? Because it is a mental game. I mean, life in general is a mental game, right? So what prep work, if you will, like, what do you do to prepare for that type of mental challenge? I do think that space, there's a huge mental aspect to it, you know, being in space, being away from people. I've really realized that the mental aspect of space is so similar to what so many people do here on earth. And so I think just having the idea that so many people are going through that same situation, even though it's not going to space or going to Mars, it definitely connects to so many other people. And so knowing that you know, you're not alone in it is definitely really reassuring. So I really uh, relate the idea of going to space really similar to being in the military. You know, you leave your friends and family, you go and you do your work, you're gone for possibly months at a time and you come back. And so even though like we think of it super like drastically because it's space and then like it's super weird and it's different, um, it really is the same mental game that everyone on earth is really going through. And so I think my way of like dealing with it is just realizing that so many people are as well. And so like it's definitely something that we can all relate to and we can all kind of bond over. And so I think that's been the easiest way to like think about it. I think we're also always stronger than we think that we are. And once you experience a little bit of that adversity or that challenge, you start to really build a muscle around it. And I guess part of all of this prep, this prep work that you have been doing since you were three is really all about setting you up for success to be able to handle those kinds of moments with as much practice as possible and like a little bit of instinct and a little bit of faith, you know? What do you hope to achieve when you land on Mars? Which you will, and we'll be watching. Definitely you'll be having like a whole Fahrenheit fan club, you know, here, but like, what do you hope to achieve? 
I think that the biggest thing and like impact that I want to leave kind of on the space industry is that we have so many big ideas with Mars. You know, we've talked about colonizing Mars. We've mentioned terraforming Mars. And I think really some of the first missions to Mars is just going to see how realistic those goals are and how long those goals would take. I think ideally the mission to Mars is kind of a way to help a lot of the problems that we have back here on Earth. You know, as we as we try to figure out stuff with Mars, we're going to be figuring out stuff about our own planet as well. So I think just trying to be a part of some of those solutions. And, you know, obviously the whole idea of Mars is really prepping for future generations and giving future generations more avenues and more opportunities. Really, there are a lot of connections between Earth and Mars. You know, let's say we do want to terraform Mars and we want to make it into another Earth. To be able to do that, we have to completely reform form Mars's atmosphere. You know, its atmosphere is completely CO2 for the most part. You know, we'd have to thicken up the atmosphere, all that. If we figure that out, we can definitely clean Earth's atmosphere as well. And so there's just so many parallels between them. And so I think, you know, trying to have a hand in like the start of that, of course, we won't be able to turn Mars into another Earth, you know, within my lifetime. But, you know, being able to kind of push that first step in us, you know, getting to that point is going to be really, really cool. I think if the future is in your hands, I feel really good about it. So thank you so much, Alyssa. Honestly, I could cut, I'm going to cut us off because I think we could probably keep talking for a few hours. It has been such a pleasure. I am so inspired. I think for those people out there who are trying to pick a direction and trying to pick a path, I love your message of just start and do the work and sacrifice a little and never give up and change the paradigm and ignore all the rules and just go after it. Because even though the idea of going to space, being a woman in STEM, these are big ideas and big concepts. You really make it sound so easy. And so I'm excited to take that energy with me today. And thank you so much for chatting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. 